0: Have you ever noticed how we have these moments in life that, that opportunities are presented to us and we either get to, 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 sorry, to take it or talk ourselves out of it. That all about life, that we, we come to these moments where opportunities come and we can either take the opportunity, yet so often what we choose to do is we choose to talk ourselves out of it. I remember when I was, summer before I went off to college, there was this restaurant that my friends and I, we would go to every Wednesday night. And we'd go there and eat. And it was just kind of a local place in Western Kentucky. And we would we'd hang out there. And there was a waitress there that got my attention. So I, I started to you know, be interested in her. And so on Wednesday nights, you know, we would go there to eat, but I was really just more interested in her than I was my friends. And so you know, we would eat and, and hang out. And I remember this one night in particular that I discovered that she was single. And I'm like, Now's my opportunity. Like, to, tonight is the night. And, and so I remember that, that whole night just kind of being nervous, like, man, I, I want to I wanna ask her on a date, but I'm nervous. What if she says no? What if she rejects me? What if she thinks I'm stupid? And like, all these things, you know, that, that you're feeling. So I remember, the night was done. We had eaten our food, and I go to get in my car with, and all my friends had left, and so me and one of my buddies were sitting in my truck, and keys are in the ignition, and he's like, What's, what is wrong with you, Brandon? Like, why aren't, why aren't you... Um, driving. And I'm just sitting there just kind of thinking, contemplating, like wrestling. You know, I want to I wanna ask her, but I'm scared. And, and this was the day before we had Tinder, before you could just text a girl. You actually had to walk up to her and ask her out. And, and, and so I remember walking, getting out of my truck and, and walking over to her. And I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was something along the lines of like, I'd, I'd like to take you to dinner. Would you be interested? Guys, it's that easy. <laughs> And she said yes, and, and it, it was this moment where all of this nervousness and all of these things, what is she going to say? It just completely subsided when I had the, the courage to, to take this opportunity, right? And, 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 the, and there's something about the, the relationship, it didn't work out like it wasn't meant to be. I met a, a, a woman that I ended up marrying, but, 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 but I say that, that we all have these, these moments in life, these opportunities that are put in front of us that we can either take that requires just a little bit yet so often what we do is we talk ourselves out of it, right? And what I'm discovering is that, man, this is so true with God, that so much more than just relationships and funny stories like this, that, that God brings us to these moments where should we choose to take the opportunity, there, this world opens up with God. And yet so often we choose to talk ourselves out of it. I remember early days of of ethos, I was leading our house churches here and preaching, you know, once every four or five weeks. I remember getting a phone call from Dave one morning. It was like in the fours, maybe in the fives of Sunday morning. And he called me and he's like, dude, I'm sick. I've been sick all night. Uh, I need you to preach today. Can, can you preach? I remember laying in my bed and just going, no. Like, I, I cannot do that. Like, and I think it surprised him. But I'm like, dude, I don't have anything to say. Like, I don't want to show up on a Sunday morning and just look at everyone because that's basically what I feel like is is going to happen. And so he's like, "Are you serious?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm not I'm not going to preach. I don't have anything to say." And so he's like, o- "Okay, like, that's I'll find somebody else." And, and and that moment has stuck out to me because I'm going, man, what was it that that the opportunity that God was was presenting in front of me that I talked myself out of. What was it that God was wanting to do? Maybe not just in me, but through me that day that I just said, no. You know, we've been in the series the past month through the book of Acts, and we've been wrestling with this idea that in order for us to understand where it is that we're going, we have to know where it is that we've come, where we come from. And so we've been reading through this scriptures and not just to learn them, but because we want to live into them, right? And so today is the exact same thing, is that exact same thing that we're gonna study this, not just so that we can have a bunch of head knowledge, but so that we can leave this place and live into the scriptures, that our lives become written, the, the very things that God continues to do. If you were with us last week, we invited people to come and to ask for prayer, and it was so fun talking to Dave and Aaron. They're like, man. There were like 200 people across the morning that asked for prayer, that asked God to do the thing in, in, in your life that you just really need, the thing that only God can do. And so today, what we, where we're starting is we're picking up on the heels of the story from last week. So if you remember last week, a man was miraculously healed. He, did, he had been lame for 40 years, the power of God flew through, uh, flow, flowed through Peter to heal this man that enabled him to walk, that enabled him to celebrate and, and worship, that this man goes with Peter and John into the temple courts. Peter starts preaching, and this is where our story picks up this morning. You guys with me this morning? You girls with me this morning? Okay, good. Acts 4, starting in verse 1. It says, a priest. And the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were preaching, teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, listen to this, the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. And so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? And so Peter is is given one of these opportunities that, that the Lord is bringing to this moment Will you take the opportunity, Will you talk yourself out of it. And so he's standing, you might not know this, but he's standing in front of some of the most influential people in society that do not believe what he believes. These incredibly powerful, powerfully sharp minds. I mean, the people that he's talking to, the majority of them had the entire Old Testament memorized. Get your mind around that. These are the same people that Jesus had stood in front of just 50 days earlier. The same people that, that, that worked towards his execution. And if you go back and you read that story in Matthew chapter 26, Peter is also a part of that moment. That Jesus is up in this room being interrogated, and Peter is down in the courtyard looking up through the window and he sees Jesus. So people walk up to, to Peter and say, Hey, aren't you with Jesus? And what does Peter do? He says, I don't know the man. He's scared to death. Why doesn't he he, he, he say, Yeah, I know Jesus, I've been walking with him for the past three years because that's the truth, that, that he loved Jesus. He knew Jesus. He knew that Jesus loved him. So why in this moment of this opportunity, why did he shrink back? Because he was scared scared of what was gonna cost him, scared of what, what, what might happen to him should he choose to stand with Jesus. He talks himself out of the opportunity. And 50 days later, he finds himself in front of this exact same crowd. And what will he say? What does he do? Verse eight, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. And this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. I love that line in verse eight, filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's incredibly significant for a couple reasons. One of the reasons is because Jesus had told them earlier, he just told them a few weeks ago in Luke chapter 12 and Luke chapter 21, hey, when you are brought before synagogues and rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourself or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. That's Luke 12, verse 11 and 12. Or Luke chapter 21, he says, make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves, for I will give you the words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Do you see this? that Jesus had told them, hey, don't be scared. And I I know that you're gonna be scared, that that you're gonna find yourself standing in front of the rulers and you're gonna go, man, what am I gonna say? How do I communicate who Christ is and who Christ is to me? And he says, don't worry. For in that moment, the Holy Spirit will give you everything that you need. And here's what is happening. The Holy Spirit is giving Peter everything he needs. Jesus' words are coming true in Peter's message. Have you ever been scared to open your mouth about Jesus to someone who doesn't believe in Jesus? You ever had a moment where where you knew that God was going, man, share your faith. Tell them about who the realness of Christ is and what Christ has done in your life. And, And yet you're scared because you go, man, I don't know what to say. Has that ever been you? You feel God leading you, but I don't know what to say. Or, or have you ever thought, man, I don't know how they're gonna respond. So, so often what happens is that the Lord brings us to these moments, inviting us to share our faith, inviting us to speak the reality about Jesus, and we talk ourselves out of it. And here's what the Lord was reminding me this week, that when we do that, we don't even give God a chance to work. We don't even give God a chance to keep his word to work through us. What we're essentially saying in those moments is, God, I don't believe you. You know, last week, 100 people, 100 of you responded to prayer, asking God to, some for physical healing, some for emotional, some for spiritual breakthrough, whatever it is that you came seeking prayer for. And I'm reminded, man, God doesn't answer prayers that we're not praying. Right. This is what Jesus' brother James said in his book. He says, you don't receive, why? Because you don't ask. You see, when when we choose not to open our mouths, when we don't even give the Holy Spirit a chance to do what the Holy Spirit does, to prove Jesus to be true. You see, when you and I, when, when we take those opportunities, what that is, it's a demonstration of faith. Faith is not just this cognitive belief. Faith is is choosing to trust in Jesus in real life with your real steps and your real words. And when you choose to take those opportunities, it builds your faith. Because you realize, oh, Christ did come through. He actually did give me what I needed to say. And it might not be as eloquent as what Peter said in Acts chapter 4, but it doesn't have to be. But what happens when we do take the opportunities? My wife and I were watching this teaching last Friday night. If any of you have heard of the book, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, raise your hand if you've heard of that book. A couple of you, it's an amazing book. Actually, I haven't read it, but I've heard it. It's an amazing book, so. Just need to keep the truth out there. But we did watch the teaching, which was a highlight of his book, that's what I should say, that's the truth. And And so we were watching this um, teaching. So this this man, his name's Nabil Qureshi. He grew up in a very devout Muslim home. And so he uh, was raised here in the United States and he was taught, hey, you need to be able to defend your faith as a Muslim, that there are Christians all around you and and you need to know why you believe what you believe. So he's telling this story and you can find this on YouTube. I encourage you to go and watch it. And he's telling this story about when he was in high school and there was this girl in his class and she essentially just shares the good news of who Jesus is with him. Hey, Jesus is the son of God. He died for the sins of the world, that there's hope because of Jesus that he's coming back. And, and he said this girl was sharing her faith, sharing who Christ is and who Christ is to her. And instantly, you know, he, 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 he puts her in her place. And he shuts down all of her arguments and you're like, Brandon, why are you telling me this? You're already speaking into my insecurities. Here's what he says. He says, my respect for that woman went out the roof that day. Because I was sitting in a room full of people who called themselves Christians. And what Christians believe is that, that there is no salvation outside of Jesus. That you can inherit eternal life out, apart from Christ. And all these other Christians in the room have never said anything to me about it. So what that says to me is that they don't either believe in Jesus, they don't believe that he's the only way, or they don't care about me. They don't care that I'm going to hell. He says, that woman cared deeply. And I respect her because she acted on what she believes. And he goes on to tell the rest of his story through college and through med school and through his journey. And it was so amazing is that and Jesus completely changes his heart. And he shows up in some incredibly supernatural ways. And this guy becomes a follower of Jesus. He becomes a Christian. And he's sharing his testimony that my wife and I are watching on Friday night. And what stood out to me is that of all the stories that he could have told of, of, of his life, he told that one story from that one moment in high school. And that's so significant because so often I think we, we come to this place where, where we feel like we have to share our faith and, and we have to see the complete conversion. We want to you know, baptize. We want the, the light bulb to go off. And yet that's not the way things work so often. So often God is just looking for some people who are willing to speak what they believe. And in a world that we live in, our culture needs Christians to stand up for what they believe in says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we don't fill ourselves up. It's God doing. It's God's doing. And and when, and when we take those opportunities, we give God a chance to fill us up and to come through. He keeps going in verse 13. I love this verse. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And so three things that they noticed about Peter and John. The first is their, their courage, right? And courage is not a feeling. Courage is a choice when it comes to God. Choosing to push through the uncomfortable, through the unknown, for the sake of the unreached. Some of you in this room, you have professors that are not followers of Jesus. They're brilliant, but they don't live under the lordship of Jesus, Some of you have people in your family or your coworkers that are brilliant. They're intimidatingly intelligent, but they don't follow Jesus. And this is who Peter and John are talking to. And they look at them and these educated, these smart, these sharp men, and they say, salvation doesn't exist outside of Jesus. Have you told your unbelieving professor that? Have you had the courage to tell your unbelieving family member that? Peter has the courage to say, he says, no other name can save you. No one on earth can save you. No one in heaven, but Jesus can save you. You know, what I'm learning is that it is possible in our culture to be both loving and courageous. I've made friends recently with a man that is Muslim. And we were having a conversation one day. He was I was talking to him about his faith. I was asking him about his prayer life because I know that Muslims pray five times a day. And so I was just asking him about what that looked like and what it looked like for him. And we had this kind of neat conversation and discovered that I was a pastor, that I'm a follower of Jesus. And, and so I'm walking away from that conversation and I feel like the Lord's just going, there's more there, go back. You gotta, this conversation's not done. And so I go back to him and I'm not exactly sure like um, how everything's gonna come out, but I know I'm supposed to ask him this question. This was a question. What happens to people who don't become Muslim when they die? He said, do you want the sugarcoat answer? Or do you want the real answer? I'm like, I think I'll take the sugarcoat answer. <laughs> no, I want the real answer. Like, he says, they're separated from God. And I said, how important is it to you that people become Muslim? He said, it's very important. I said, okay. He learns that I'm a follower of Jesus. He knows what I believe. So what happens when I, when I tell him? He asked me this question. Hey, we believe the same things, don't we? And I said, no, we don't. Muslim Christianity, we do not have the same beliefs. So what happens when when you have a moment where you you don't just drift with culture and you don't just say the easy thing because it appeases people? You know what happened? He invited me to hang out with him on Thursday night. And on Thursday night, we're hanging out and and I'm telling him, you know, I want to be your friend. I hope we're, we're lifelong friends, but you need to know that because I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm going to do everything that I know how to do to get you to believe and to trust and to follow Jesus. Because if I don't, it shows that I'm actually not a friend to you, that I actually don't care about you. You're like, whoa, what did he say? Well, we've been texting all weekend. You're like, really? Yeah, because it's possible when we're just courageous enough to say the things that we believe, to say the things that we know to be true. And you don't have to know everything. I was talking to my buddy, Chris, the guy who did the welcome. You don't have to know everything if you're just willing to share what you do know. Right, and my friend, I've just been praying for him, been fasting for him, like asking God, would you change his heart? And it wasn't instant conversion. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping for Thursday night that the night ended with him coming to Christ. And that's not how it happened, but I'm going, how is it that God is working through courageous moments? to bring my friend into the kingdom. They took note of their courage. The second thing that they took note of was how common they were, and I love this. Some of your translations say common, some of yours say unschooled or ordinary, and this is what it means. They hadn't been to seminary. One of our biggest fears is that we don't know enough, that we're gonna look ignorant. Hear me on this. Spiritual education does not equate with spiritual effectiveness in the kingdom. I know people in our church that have no official training, no seminary, and yet have brought people to Christ. And I know people who have all the training in the world and who haven't brought any. What you know, what you've learned, doesn't equate to effectiveness. I love it It says that, that these men were common. How many of you relate to that? You're just a common man, you're just a common woman. You're, you're ordinary in the best of ways. I was sitting in a room full of pastors a couple weeks ago and we were praying, men and women, young and old, and, and, and the theme arose in our prayers. And this is what it was. God, as we've grown in our wisdom and our knowledge, we've grown less in our courage and our willingness to share Christ. And there was this guy in the room who was sharing a testimony about in his younger days when he was young in life. He went into this college campus and he was boldly proclaiming the truth about who Jesus is. And in that moment, people responded and they gave their lives to Jesus in baptism. And he's recounting, he's looking at all that he knows and all of the apologetics that he's learned and leaned into the past few years. And he goes, I want to be more like the man that i used to be just because you have an education doesn't mean that you're not can't be effective in the kingdom the third thing that they noticed they noticed their courage they noticed how common they were and they noticed the company that they kept second part of verse 13 when they they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with jesus These men had been with Jesus. There is no substitute for this in the Christian life. You and I are influenced by the people that we spend time with. My daughter, I have a daughter, a son, and a daughter. And my oldest is, she started kindergarten this year. And we started noticing she'd come home from school, and she was, like, doing this thing where she'd, like, roll her eyes. And we're like, where did that come from? Like... (laughs) You know, I don't roll my eyes. My wife doesn't roll her eyes. Like, where did she learn that? And so I'm eating lunch with my daughter one day, and it's so funny because she's the most talkative kid at our house. You know, yesterday morning she woke up at 6 a.m., and it was just talk, 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 talk. We couldn't get her to quit talking. And I go to eat lunch with her at school, and she won't say a word. She's like embarrassed of me. Like, then I'm going to, you know, do something to, to, to embarrass her. And, and so she's not talking at all at her lunch table. And, and we're sitting there, and, 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 and I'm watching her interact with her friends, and I see one of her friends roll her eyes, and I'm like, you! <laughs> You are the reason, right? I didn't really do that, but I'm thinking that. Like, you know, we're influenced by the people we spend time with. You spend time with Jesus and you look more like Jesus. I mean, when when, when you know Christ, and you spend time in his presence on your knees when you're when you're in the word, when 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 you're in the place of, of worship, when you're in the presence of God, you begin to look more and more like Christ. It's true. Think about this. When the music that you listen to, it comes out of your mouth. You find yourself thinking about it. The shows that you watch, you find yourself talking about them. They come up in conversation that people notice us, the things that we care about. How do they notice that? Because it comes out of our mouths. It comes out of our lives. And the the same is true about Jesus. When we are fixing our eyes and our hearts on King Jesus, he changes us. We look more like him. For those of you who are followers of Jesus and who have consistently set aside time to be with God every day, think about the person that you were 10 years ago. Think about the things that you were passionate about then. Think about the things that that, that you, you thought about, the ways that you spent your money and your time. As you spent time with God, do you look more like Christ? And sometimes we have to take a step back and I'm going, man, 10 years ago, what was I like? I'm most certainly not the person that I am now. When you spend time in the presence of Jesus, non-believers notice. But I want us to to notice this. Even though they had courage and they embraced just being common, ordinary men, and even though they had kept company with Jesus, this is not a formula. And should you choose to live into that, which that's my hope today, that we leave here and, and we are courageous for Jesus and And we embrace we're okay being common. And and we delight in spending time with Jesus. We keep company with Jesus. My my hope is that those things will be true. But I want to take away the pressure because what you see happening in the rest of Acts chapter 4 is just because you do that, it's not a formula. It doesn't mean that people are going to come to know Christ in that moment. These, believe, these leaders that they're talking to had seen a miracle, a miracle from God. These people were hearing the words about who Jesus is, and yet their guard was up. They refused to listen, and I go, that should comfort us. That should take the pressure off of us, because so often the way that God chooses to work in our lives is just like that high school girl that we're willing to share our faith, we're willing to talk about Jesus, and it might be met with resistance, we might even be called foolish, we might be looked down upon, but that might be the moment that it sticks with them, where they realize, you cared enough about me to speak the hard things. And maybe someday, someone will be giving a talk, and you'll be the ignorant person that paved the way for them to come to know Jesus. Will we take the opportunities or we talk ourselves out of them? I love how it ends. Verse 18, they called them in again. They commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus, but Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to Jesus? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. This is one of my favorite lines from my kids. I'm like, hey, you know, don't burp at the table, kids. We can't help it, Dad. Hey, don't push your sisters down. I can't help it, Dad. They can't help but speaking about Jesus. Is that true for our lives? What are the things that we can't help but speaking about? We can't help speaking about how delicious our coffee is or how delicious our food was. Is, is it true that we can't help but speak about who Jesus is? I read this book around Christmas time titled The 10 Greatest Revivals Ever. And you wanna know the, one of the themes that, that stood out when revival breaks out, when people start coming to know the Lord, when the people of God start getting really serious about God and not just playing the game, doing the God thing on the side, when it like consumes people, you wanna know one of the things that happens? Christians start talking about Jesus. I don't know why I held up two fingers. Christians start talking about Jesus. The more we talk about Jesus, the more people are hearing about Jesus. And the more we keep quiet, the less people are hearing about Jesus. And the more assumptions that they're making about what we believe and who we are, the more we talk about Christ is the place where the Holy Spirit then gets to work. Peter said, we can't help but talk about what we've seen and heard. Transformation had happened in Peter's life. 50 days earlier, he's scared to death. He will not stand with Jesus because he's afraid of what's gonna happen. What in the world changed? Where 50 days later, he's standing in front of the same crowd that he was scared of, and he says, I am with Jesus, no matter what it costs. He'd seen the resurrected Jesus. He'd experienced grace that he needed to cover his sins, to cover the moment of of fear where he backslid. He encountered the grace of Jesus. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going for for us to understand that when you truly allow Jesus, when I allow Jesus to take the fullness of our sin and put it on his cross, and we experience forgiveness, when you and I have been filled with the Holy Spirit, when, when you know and love Jesus, you and I can't help but talking about him. And God will continue to bring us to these opportunities to talk about him or to talk ourselves out of it. And sometimes God will even bring us to the exact same opportunity, to the exact same person. Two, a couple years later, after that Sunday morning that Dave called and I rejected him, and told him I couldn't preach, I remember waking up early on a Sunday morning and I just felt deep in my spirit, like the Holy Spirit saying, when the phone rings, you just need to say yes. So Dave calls and he's like, "Dude, I've been sick all night. I need you to teach today." And I'm like, first of all, what are you eating? Let's get your, <laughs> let's get your immune system built back up. Like, this keeps happening. Like, get sick on Tuesday, quit getting sick on Sunday." He says, "I need you to preach today." And I said, "I got it." You know, at this point in my journey, uh, it took about 30 hours to prepare a sermon. Say yes. Take the opportunity. I remember going and sitting in front of the window where my wife and I got up in the morning where we read together and we pray. And and it was in that moment where God just completely downloaded a sermon into my heart. And it was in that moment that I realized that when I take the opportunities, the Holy Spirit comes through. The only person that won't come through in those moments, you know who it is? is us. We talk ourselves out of it. And I believe that God has so many opportunities. I believe that God wants to pursue this city and cities all over the world and people who don't know him through you and through me. But we have the courage to take the opportunities. I'm gonna throw a question up on the, the screen. And I'd love for you to take a few minutes and with the people around you to discuss this question. So Here's a question. What keeps you from taking the opportunities that God puts in front of you to tell people about Jesus? Can you guys see it now? Awesome. That's awesome. You guys can see, man. Woo! Power of the word. What keeps you from taking the opportunities that God puts in front of you to share Jesus? So I want to invite us to, to take a few minutes and let's just be honest and share this. Is it courage? Is it because you don't feel like you know enough? Is it because, you know, whatever it is. And let's, take it, let's talk about it. Let's have the courage to let people really know what's going on because when we have the ability to come to church and actually do that, God works in that space. And I invite you to pray together. And then I'm gonna get back up here in just a few minutes and I'll send us to communion. But let's take a few minutes. Let's talk through this question with the people around you. So I dismiss you right now to do that. All right, I want, to, I want to pray for us and send us to communion. If, if you want to keep carrying on your conversations, for sure, um, keep doing that. But I want to invite you, if, if you come here this morning and you need prayer, if there's something going on in your life, there'll be some men and women that respond banner for the rest of you. I invite you to go to one of the tables, the bar, across the room, grab a piece of bread, a cup of juice, come back to the, to the seat and, and, and to set your hearts on Christ together. So I'll pray for us. When I get done praying, we'll go take communion. So God, thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for these people. Thank you for the way that you're working. God, would you fill us up and help us to step into the things that you have for us? And God, I pray that if this morning there's anything that I said that was not from you, from your heart, let, let it be forgotten and let your words remain, God. Thank you for Jesus, our King and Savior who conquered death. You're the only one, the sinless Savior and we took our sin and we love you. And we pray that, God, you would be glorified in us as we seek you, as we lay down our lives and surrender. God, that you would be our everything. And so meet us in the table, open our eyes um, as we break the bread and drink the cup. Help us to believe and to trust that you really are the savior of the world and our savior and the hope of the world. In your name we pray, amen.